You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice, Man, This is strictly for them true fans, golf fans. Number one, one. of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt, DJ Preach, and the one and only OJ McGuffey. Juice, how you feeling today? What's up, Big Seth? I mean, I'm excited. We're coming out of a bye week. We're about to see some games again. But we're going to dial it back today. We're throwing it back to one of the all-time great Dolphins. That's right. And could not be more excited to have AJ Dewey in the house. AJ, welcome to the tank, man. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so there's one uh, all-time great OJ McDuffie. <laughs> yes, there's, there, there's, there's three great all-time AJ Dewey's. There's three. My dad, me, and my son. So I got to give us all the props. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. You know, and I'm glad you just said it, Dewey. I have to ask you this before we get into all the questions that we did put on the board. You know, as a kid, I heard it, Dewey. I heard it, Dewey. I think I probably said Dewey more than I than I did until I heard you say your own name one time and realized I'd been messing it up all this time. So can we set the record straight here in the tank that it's uh, it, pronounce it correctly? Is it Dewey? Yeah, well, Dewey is the correct pronunciation. But, you know, when someone says Dewey, or duh, like my boy Bo called me a person. <laughs> he said he first saw my name. I mean, you know, it, it's it's all good, you know. Just don't call me anything bad. That's all. That's right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and of course, Bo, you know, Bo's gonna be that guy, you know, that's gonna you know, duh, you know, that's yeah. Bo all day right there, right? Yeah. How long oh, yeah, did he, he ride that out? He still cracks on it every once in a while, you know. He just, <laughs> you know, he he brings up, he, you know, we all got memories to bring up, you know. Sometimes we do it in private and. Occasionally, we, we we let it out to the public, you know, so we'll, <laughs> love it. Well, we'll that's have fun with it. Here in the tank. We definitely love to pull the curtain back. So we, we'll have some fun today for sure. So listen, we're going to talk about your Dolphins career. It's why we're here. But before we do, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about where you grew up, right? I think that, you know, most fans know you're from Louisiana. Uh, if you jump on Wikipedia, it says New Orleans. But I want to know about Reserve, Louisiana. Tell us about Reserve, what life was like in Reserve, and from what we hear, You've got some interesting relatives back home. You know, it, it's kind of uh, amazing that you bring this up because uh, a buddy of mine that I went to college with, you know, sent me a, a pretty kind of meaningful uh, video of, you know, uh, of my hometown where I grew up. And it kind of it all deals with what's going on today in our society. I'll kind of get to that as, you know, we kind of end the story. But, you know, Reserve was a small little town along the Mississippi River. And uh, I went to a school called Leon Gotcha. Okay, so that... Uh, like like uh, Gotchoff from mm-hmm. you know on the like Dolphins. Devon Gotcha, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, when he first came to the team, man, I said I, when I saw him one day at one of the walkthroughs or at a practice session, I said you got to set these people right sh- now, you know, because <laughs> you're gonna be Gotcho, Gotcha, you know, you know. So he he said awesome. it right away. He he fixed it in his rookie season. For me, I waited a few years before I felt, I felt like you know <laughs> these people got to know who in the hell I really am, you know, as my name. So, but getting up, it, it was a small little town on the river kind of uh right now it's kind of known for what they call cancer alley i mean i don't know if you guys have understood much about the 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 mississippi river from new orleans to baton rouge back in the day was nothing but plantations and just uh, lots of just land you know and uh and as time went on a guy by the name of leon gotchaw was you know kind of coming through uh, the river and he found this big parcel of land and he told the the plantation owner you know, reserve this for me. I will come back and buy it. So that's kind of wow. happened maybe in the 1700s or something to that effect. You know, whenever, uh, you know, people were moving up and down the river, peddling their goods. He was, a, he was a, uh, I'm trying to think of the name they used for those people who were like salesmen on the road, but there was a name for it. They called it back in that, that time. Like a of trader. Day. But, uh, you know, a small town, you know, uh, and, and, and really uh, when, I, when I look back at it, you know, we we were a, a kind of a town that was uh, was pretty much you know in, in terms of like the uh, the makeup of, of society we were pretty much about a a sixty forty you know white to black you know it was kind of you know I, I so I grew up in a, in an area where you know integrating and 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 being around you know people of color and stuff like that that was that was a norm for me so I kind of maybe that maybe maybe that made me a natural in uh, in in society where I didn't see you know black or white and you know and, and that type of stuff so. It, it, it kind of, it, it, when I reflect back on my growing up in my life, I'm kind of going, you know, you saw it from a different set of eyes than most people wow. in America are seeing it, you know? So that's kind of, in a nutshell, that's kind of where I grew up. You know, there wasn't much there, mostly 
like I said, refineries and plants and places like that. So, I mean, people my age, when I, when I was going back home to visit family and stuff, I'd run across a couple of old buddies and people my age, which was back in my late 50s. And, 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 and you know, I'll be 65 this year, you know, at, at the age of retirement, which I can collect my pension, which is there wonderful and all that. There kind you of go. Stuff. And I, I would go back home and I, I would talk to some of my boys and say, you know, how's that? He goes, well, you know, I retired last year. I said, retired? You know, hey, here I'm a guy who played in the NFL and made, you know, we made, we made money. I, I, you know, back in our day, you, you, I thought, man, you, how can you, and these guys all went into these refineries. They work, you know, nine to five or whatever. It's like shift work. They call it. You work, you work a shift. It's 24 hours a day. These, these plants are operating and these guys put a lot of money aside. You know, you live a simple life there and you get pension plans from your, uh, the big place you work for. So, you know, it, it's a culture where people are happy and they just, they like life. You know, they, they don't have beautiful malls and they don't have, uh, you know, a whole lot of restaurants to go out to, but it's simple. And, you know, and that's a good part of life. You know, it kind of, my roots are pretty strong and, and, and I'm a pretty humble person from knowing that kind of upbringing. That's awesome. And I tell you what, AJ, it's interesting to hear you talk about the diversity of reserve and how you feel like that kind of prepared you and, and, and this was just the norm to be around folks that didn't look like you. Yeah. Um, and I know in sports, people uh, come together in a locker room from all walks of life, from different parts of life, they look different and, and you kind of, you, any differences that you have, or if there's any issues, it gets set aside and we actually come together for one goal. And so you kind of got that not only from being an athlete, but uh, to hear that somebody who grew up in the time that you did, but that was the norm is really kind of refreshing, quite honestly, Juice, you know, when I listen to that, because oftentimes it's the opposite, right? A lot of people. Well, that, that's true. Around. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, basically, uh, but the thing is, is, uh, you know, I think that, you know, even in the day when I played, you know, there, there probably was, you know, even in the locker room, there, there were probably some guys that kind of, you know, had a little bit of a, a racial maybe feeling inside their head, you know, black guys and white guys. Mm-hmm. And at that time we had, you know, and we had an Armenian, Garo Yupermium. I mean, you know, so, yep, uh, right. you know, so it's kind of, you know, it just, it's, it's natural. I, you know, like I said, I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, there is racism going on in our country. And I think for us, I think the locker room that we grew up in, you know, it helps you understand other people and other people's cultures and where they're from and what they're all about. And I think that's a great way of bringing people together to just understand the people. I know at Penn State we talk about, and Joe always had the thing called the great experiment. And the great experiment was about, you know, I roomed my first year with a guy from Texas, a big white guy from Texas. And, you know, we had such different views on everything, music, food, everything about it was was different. And, you know, at the beginning, we didn't get along. We even went to Joe about it. And Joe was like, figure it out. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the best things about a locker room where you got guys come from all over the country that come together for a common goal, but you also get to learn each other and what they're all about and where they're from and their their lifestyles and things like that. And you get a different appreciation uh, for a lot of people that way. And Juice, okay, so I, I you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a probably a generation or so ahead of you because I started school at college in, in 1973. So in, in Louisiana, I mean, you know, basically LSU at the time when I entered school, I think there were only three black guys in the roster already. Three out of back in those days, we had 100, maybe 18 to 20. You know, you used to be able to have more people on your roster. We had like nowadays, you only allowed maybe 10 walk-ons. We was we must have had 35, 40 walk-ons. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I mean, back in those days, you know, yeah. there was no there was you know no rules. You know, if you had a big bucket of money to spend, you know, those universities, you know, and it's still where the Power Five are still ruling everything so i mean it was ruling them back in the 70s they're still ruling them today but my roommate was a black guy uh from across the river you know we he grew up on the other side of the river from me he was kind of and i was kind of in awe when coach uh, mcclendon called me up and said uh you know we're signing roommates and i'm going to sign you uh you and terry rubisky to be roommates together i guess he was checking on terry my rubisky. Rubisky. wow yeah. <laughs> That was a roommate, huh? Yeah. So, so in other words, maybe he was checking my pulse. You know, maybe he said, "Let me call the white kid first, You know, and see. You know. Yeah. Because you know they they you know th- that was probably a tough thing to make a decision on. You know, I mean, you look back. I'm talking the '70s. You yep. probably have a lot of young people listening to your podcast going, "Oh, listen to that big old white man racist." You know, I mean, you know, I'm I'm just talking from my heart and telling you the truth. Sure. I mean, so, so in other words, I said sure. You know, because actually. I was kind of honored to be Terry's roommate. Terry was basically the Bo Jackson of the mm. day. You know what I mean? He was probably the most sought after kid in high school to go to. Terry told me the, the stories about when he went to see Notre Dame, went to see Oklahoma, went to all these places. He said, he said, if I would have visited Notre Dame, 
probably on a warm day. I might have went to school there. You know what I mean? You know, so, <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, you know, that's Do they have awesome. warm days though? Yeah. Is there a warm day? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you got a couple back in Indiana. Back in our day, you know, back in our day, you know, recruiting only happened like during football season. You know, nowadays they bring these kids in in the springtime, and right, you know, they right. they're you know they've stretched uh, the envelope as much as they can. So, so you know, that was uh, you know, that was a good experience. You know, Terry was kind of a uh, you know interesting guy. You know, he he came to school and. I showed up with two um, two little duffel bags with jeans and t-shirts and you know some couple of sneakers and stuff. And he shows up with a wardrobe. I'm kind of going, ah, so, you know, you know I mean, but, but you know, so 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 back in the day, they they had ways to uh, you know kind of supplement your scholarship, I guess. You know, that's what <laughs> that's what it sounds like for sure. Yeah, but I, no, it was, they also knew the climate of reserve. I wonder if it was like, hey, if we put these two together, AJ can handle this, right? He, you know, he's not going to be unfamiliar with being around uh, a teammate right, right. and maybe no, no, he can set the tone for the rest of the team yeah because uh you know you know we we, we uh we roomed together the whole the whole year and you know and and, and uh and, and after it was over with you know we terry and i both started as freshmen so you know in other words once you have a little bit of leverage with the team right they had they had about i think maybe you know eight or ten rooms in the whole dorm the sports athletic dorm for guys who wanted to, to, to live by themselves you know i mean mm. sometimes most of the times it was the guys who were like in pre-med and stuff. They wanted to study and stuff like that. But, you know, Terry, Terry, uh, you know, wanted his own room. And, uh, you know, I ended up rooming with, uh, my, my buddy, a guy that became my best man in my wedding, a kid from, uh, from Florida who was a Greek. So I ended up, you know, going from a, <laughs> from a brother to a Greek, you know what I mean? You know, to a different brother of a different color. You know what I'm saying? So it was, That's you know, right. That's right. <laughs> so of course we talk about, you know, you staying at home and playing for LSU, you know, where you had obviously an awesome career. Uh, and then in 1977, you know, the Dolphins selected the first draft, uh, first round of the draft, 13th overall, which got me by what 12 picks, I think that is. Like, God damn, that's that's getting it done right there. You know, what were your thoughts at that time? You know, going from Louisiana to Miami, and you know, while I was fortunate enough to play for Coach, I played for a little bit different coach than you did. Tell us about those few years, you know, with Coach Shula, right after, you know, only a few years after the perfect season. I mean, he was tough. I mean yeah, well, you know, the the good thing what helped me is that, you know, I, I kind of was projected to be kind of like a second round draft pick and going into the draft. You know, a couple teams I I'd had a, a a good senior bowl. I played in Coach Shula, that's when the first time I, I met him, you know, and played for him in the senior bowl. Uh, you know, he worked the hell out of us. You know, he was uh -huh. here he is it's, it's a all-star game. And nowadays, I guess when you go to the senior bowl, you know, these guys are kind of, oh, we don't want to work them too hard. They may want to go home, you know, and say, hey, I'm opting out or something. You know what I mean? So you know, back in those days, opting out wasn't a part of our, our vocabulary. You know what right. I mean? Just, so I played for Coach Shula in that game. And uh, when the game was over, you know, he just congratulated me. I was a, a you know, defensive player of the game. You know, he, he kind of talked to me about how, you know, he liked my work ethic. And when it came for game, for draft day, I was, because a couple, leading back, a couple of teams had called me you know, after the senior bowl saying that, you know, started bringing me in back in those days, uh, they were bringing players in just, it wasn't like it is now juice. You know, they bring in a dozen guys at yeah. a time back in those yeah. days, they would, it was selectively, you know, pick out some guys that they thought were number one picks. They wanted to bring in to get evaluated by their doctors. They wanted to bring you in to, you know, speak with the staff and kind of, it's kind of what they do now, but more of a much, much, much higher degree where, you know, you're, you're meeting with these guys at the combine. So they didn't have combines, I guess, back in the day. So uh, a couple of teams were kind of going, we like everything about you, son. You know, we like your work ethic. We like the way, you know, you, you approach the game, your mind and stuff like that. So I was getting the idea that I might be a late round draft pick in the first round. First so round, yeah. the night, mm -hmm. the night before the draft, me and my boys, we went out and we went out and partying because like, you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> about I'm to get drafted. as you should, yeah. as you yeah. should. You know, we were excited. So, so the phone rings at my apartment about they started the draft back in those days. Uh, I think at maybe eight a.m. You know, Eastern oh, time, and uh, it was nine a.m. You know, even if, if it was eleven a.m., I probably still been asleep. But the phone <laughs> rings. My roommate answers the phone. It's for you. It's for you. So I go pick up the phone, and uh, it's the Buffalo Bills. They're on the clock. You know, they're telling me. Uh, oh man. They're saying that uh, you know we're 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 in, we're in the we're on the clock now, but we have a couple questions because they weren't one of the teams to bring me in and ask me any questions. They said there's there's word out that that you know you're using Howard Slusher as your agent, and I remember Howard Slusher telling me all up to the draft. He says AJ he says keep everything under the under the cuff. You know, just tell me you haven't picked an agent yet for something. Maybe the hangover made me say yeah yeah I'm using Howard Slusher, and they said. Uh, okay, we're, we're going to talk about it. We got a couple more minutes to make our decision and we'll get back with you. 
So I hung up the phone and I, I, I uh, you know, I was still kind of in a fog. And I tell my roommate, I said, that was the Buffalo Bills. They, you know, they think they're pay- they think about taking me, you know, as their, their first pick. And I was kind of like, I didn't know Buffalo. I mean, I don't even think there wasn't even Buffalo chicken wings back in those days. Yeah. I didn't know what the <laughs> Whatever you thought it was, you were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? So so the phone rings just about a minute or two later. And I'm kind of going, oh, I guess we're going to Buffalo, guys. Y'all can come see me. And, oh and here God. it is. It was it was Bobby Bethard, who who was uh, with the GM with the Dolphins. He said, uh, this is Bobby Bethard from the Miami Dolphins. Coach Shula would like to talk to you. So, mm. you know, so all of a sudden, Coach Shula gets on the phone. You know, back in those nowadays, when you see you see the guy on ESPN talking, right. you kind of, you know, in our days, it was just a matter of just being hung over on your couch in a, uh, in a cheap old <laughs> apartment building in Baton Rouge, you know, hearing uh, Coach Shula saying, you know, we're glad to have you, you know, uh, as a Dolphin. He says, when you come here to work, I just know you're going to work the way you work for us at the Super, I mean, at the Senior Bowl, and let's get it done. You know, so that that's the way it, it broke it. out. And and then, then again, getting back to the main question, Juice, as you know, I, I, I run my mouth for a long time, so you might not <laughs> get a chance to That's why we have you here, AJ. That's exactly you why you're here. You might not get a chance here. to you know, answer many questions. But, uh, you know, working for the man was – it was a blessing. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, I tell people – all the time, you know, you don't have to love your boss to, to, to like him. I mean, you know, I mean, or you don't have to like him to love him. I guess that's right. the way to really say it, because, you know, a lot of people kind of like thought Coach Shula was, you know, he, they were, he would rub you wrong. And uh, but he knew how to produce a winning formula. That's you know, that's that's kind of what everybody wants right now in life. Just to have have something that works, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think that is exactly what it was. And whatever happened with the Buffalo pick, what did they end up doing with that pick? They took um, they took Philip Dokes. Uh, who, who was a uh, who, who? Philip? If you Google him, I think he had one season or two seasons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the, I mean, I was um, in another team that passed on me, and I found out. Uh, I found out later after talking to him was uh, Hank Stram. Hank Stram was the head coach of the Saints, and the Saints took they took another defensive end. They, that year, there was like seven defensive ends taken in the first uh, round. But maybe that's normal. I, I think. Defensive ends are kind of one of the premium positions in the yeah, draft usually are. every year, right? I mean, yeah, sure. right. Yeah. So uh, there was like uh, there was like seven of us taken, but uh, I mean, because my my wife actually was a sorority sister of Hank Stram's daughter, and uh, <laughs> and you had an end right there, and you see, he didn't pull the trigger. No, 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 no. But the thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what he said? Though? He said when I was in Kansas City, I, I drafted a guy in the first round who went to Kansas, like a hometown hero. And he said it didn't work out. He says I, I didn't want to take that chance again. You know what I mean? <laughs> he didn't want to keep you home. That's great. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Huh? Listen, I don't know who. But it, it could it could home. ruin you. I mean, you know, it could, it could you know, you, you know, you you go home to mama eating dinner all the time. You know, and yeah. having your boys. You know, but staying home, staying home isn't always. A, I mean, there's something really cool about it, but it's not always a good thing. Some guys need to get away. Tickets, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Tickets. Tickets yeah, are the biggest the problem, man. Too. You know, I mean, you got to get forty tickets in your high school. Yeah, 40, 40, hey, 40 tickets at twelve dollars a piece, man. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we wish we could get that deal now. Well, I don't know who screwed up in Buffalo, but I'm glad they did. And I'm sure you are as well. So yes, that, sir. Sure. So now listen, we did a little research, AJ, before we got started here. One of our sources, and maybe you can figure out who it was, but one of our sources said, we need to ask you about your early eating habits, that your eating habits when you got to the Dolphins maybe weren't what they needed to be. Well, no, my eating habits are still are still picky, but they're not <laughs> as picky as they were. Okay. I mean, so you're probably getting guys who talk to uh, the cheese story. I'm sorry, somebody told me about the cheese story, right? So, <laughs> so I never, I never, uh, I never liked cheese growing up. Okay, for some reason, I just didn't like cheese. My mother, you know, she she was she didn't if she'd have made lasagna or something as a, as a, uh, you know being a French lady, Cajun lady, you know, we didn't have you know we might have had spaghetti and meatballs once a month maybe. You know, what I mean, that was kind of our Italian. Let's throw that Italian dish into the into the mix, you know. So there was no lasagna, there was no chicken parmesan. There oh, was man. You know, there's I not there's not, there's not many French dishes that come with cheese. Okay, so it just that 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 answers it, you know. So uh, I remember the, the we were you know Bo and I and and, and Baumhauer, we used to live at a little motel from hell, I guess we call it. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, we we, we we found this little this motel that kind of rented out these efficiency apartments, and you know we all rented them there, you know. So. We, we would drive together to, to practice and uh, we'd pull into McDonald's. And, and I remember t- I told him, I want to, I said, tell him no cheese, you know, no cheese, <laughs> you know, 
So, you know, we get these and we get these, everybody's opening up the bag. I kind of go, where's the ones with no cheese? You know, there was, and they all had cheese on them. You know, like oh, I said, man. turn this damn car back around. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so, so we head back there and, and to this day, Bo kind of goes, that little girl was probably 18 years old trying to make, you know, make a few bucks, you know, and you just kind of chewed her ear off, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and then, and then some more food stories are, I mean, I got a bunch of those food stories, you know, then, and then as we get, as we get uh, going on road trips, I don't know if much of this goes on, but the veterans, there's always be a, like a core of veterans that would want to go out to these, these nice restaurants when we were traveling. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they invite me, they invite Bo, you know, sometimes it'd be like, you know, maybe two or three of the young guys would go with like seven or eight of the, the, the older guys. But I remember this one time I went with a group of guys to a nice Italian restaurant in Cleveland. It was, I don't remember the name of it, but it was supposed to be one of the finer dining places in Cleveland. What was so it juice? Get, That's your hometown. When I was in Cleveland, you, you, I was you, not going to any yeah. fine dining restaurants in Cleveland. I promise you that. <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, you know, in, in today's, in my eyes, it was fine dining, but today it might just be the regular place I'll go right. eat. Uh, yeah. Ponderosa. Pizza Hut. Night. I yeah. think they call it Pizza yeah. Hut. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So, so the story is, is that, you know, they, they come to the table, you know, what would you like to drink? Guys are ordering beers, you know, some waters and whatever. Maybe. Then they, the guy says, can I tell you about our specials tonight? You know what I mean? So the guy... The guy came up with uh, some kind of, uh, he was talking about this, uh, you know, we're, we're making a, a veal parmesan, you know, we have, uh, you know, but we were doing a little differently tonight. Then he talks about this pork dish, you know, and then he talks about this fish dish. So he comes around to me for my, for my opportunity to, 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 uh, to make an order. And I said, I'll have pork parmesan. And the guy, and everybody, AJ, there's no pork parmesan in the menu. I kind of go, wait a second. I heard him talk about this parmesan dish. And I heard him talking about this pork dish. So I want to make pork Parmesan. <laughs> and I told the guy, I said, my mom can do it. I know damn well if your chef can't do it, you need to close this place down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and listen, and, and about two or three weeks, swear to God, you guys, about two or three weeks later, I go to this little diner. You know, this is before I was married. You know, Because I didn't get married until my third year. This all this happened in my first and second year. I go to this little diner one day to have lunch on, a, on our off day. And they had pork chop parmesan on the menu. I wish they had cell phones back then. Yeah. I'd, have been, I'd, have been, I'd have been tweeting and everything and telling all my boys, pork chop parmesan today, boys. Come There's a damn some. pork chop parmesan. <laughs> so what did you end up getting in but, Cleveland? Hell, I don't know. I just remember I didn't get to have pork chop parmesan. Yeah, I probably ended up getting the, the veal parmesan, whatever it was. You know, just, oh, it's it. just that, you know, and even, you know, I mean, I got another one if you want to hear it, but I, I can't. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, Fire away. Huh? Absolutely. So, 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 so one time we were in uh, San Francisco and, uh, you know, San Francisco, their, their culture, there's a, they got a big Asian culture, obviously. Right. So we go to a, a, a Chinese restaurant and I never had Chinese food in my life ever. Never in my life. Really? You know? Swear to God. Now, you know, I didn't eat my first pizza until I came to, uh, you know, I never had pizza in my life. Wow. You know what I mean? You know, wow. so I mean, I, okay. So we're in, we're in uh, San Francisco and we're ordering these foods and I'm looking at the menu and I'm trying to read uh, all the things and I'm kind of going, what's, what's in this, you know, chicken, whatever it was kind of dish. I said, what's, he yeah. said, well, the, the guy's telling us, you know, what kind of sauce it came with and it came with snow peas and I never heard of a snow pea in my life, you know, but I figured peas are okay. And he, he named the uh, bean sprouts. And he said, bamboo shoots. I said, I'm not eating no damn wood. You know? <laughs> because <laughs> you know, as a kid as a kid i grew up in the country and and bamboo grew everywhere you know people used to use bamboo you know when i was growing up people used to turn a bamboo into like a little fishing rod you go fishing in the lake right with a with a, with a cane pole they call it you know like cane a little, pole you know, fishing for sure yeah i mean so i told the guy i'm not eating no damn wood you know what I mean? so <laughs> that, that's another story that you know the guy's oh, probably it. busted my chops with for years, you know. But. Oh, God, that's great. That's great. Shit, Juice, I wouldn't be able to eat it. Italian food, Chinese food, right? right. You know, Cheese. That's, that's all I eat. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, I eat it all now. The only things I don't eat right now, you're here. The only things I don't eat now, and, and, and Bo and them will tease me about it. I don't, eat mush- I don't eat mushrooms. I don't eat olives. And I don't eat, uh, what's the other one? And they say, why don't eat it? I said, I eat it. I don't eat it because I don't like the feel in my mouth. And they right. kind of go, "What do you mean by that?" I said, "Well, one time I had a, a escargot. You know, oh. I was I was with the guys at some fancy restaurant because yeah. I know damn well my mom didn't make escargot. So I had an escargot, <laughs> and I'm kind of and it felt like that in my mouth. I'm kind of going, uh, uh-uh, I don't want none of this stuff in my mouth anymore. 
right. <laughs> we're texture. taking notes here. You weren't so, feeling that texture, right? Hey, that you won't texture. believe it. I, I got a more modern day uh, food story for you. Y'all want to hear that one or no? Yes. We, we got time? <laughs> okay, so so last summer, we go to um, we go to Alabama. My daughter lives up in Alabama. She married a uh, young man who's an Auburn kid, you know, so we have the split they have the split household, I guess what they call that divided house, you know, LSU yep, Tiger. Because sure. my daughter did go to LSU, my only, you know, only child to, uh, you know, want to go back home and go back to our home to go to school. So it's an Auburn Tiger married to LSU Tiger, but it was his grandmother's 80th birthday. We rented two uh, beautiful houses on uh, Dolphin Island, which is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, maybe Sanibel version okay. in, in Alabama. It's kind of like that, you know, where, you know, nice, you know, homes lifted off the, the water. So we rented a couple homes and my, and my son-in-law, his uncle married a woman from Cambodia. So it was her night to cook. So, you know, she cooked this steamed fish. Uh, we had these big, beautiful red snappers and she cooked this steamed fish. Oh man, to die for. Okay. But the thing is, is that when they put them on the table, you know, everybody was, it was a whole fish juice. If you can imagine, just mm-hmm. people are just taking big chunks yeah. with their fork, big piece of fish in your plate. You know, it wasn't like some, <laughs> Oh, you can have this little fillet, this fillet. Everybody just, taking a big old chunk out of there, right? Yeah. So so all of a sudden, you know, we're having a big family dinner, having a great time, about eight of us, you know, and all of a sudden I'm sitting next to uh to, to Carrie. You know, I, I don't know what her name is, but we call her Carrie. I mean, you know, she's she's <laughs> you're a wonderful girl, man. You know, just she loves me, you know, because I'm I'm kind of like she well, how'd you come up with Carrie? You don't know what her name is? Like what no, that, that's what they call her. I don't know what her name oh, is. Okay. Her name, you know, her name <laughs> is Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. But no, but she probably has a a Cambodian name. You know what I'm saying? You I know what I mean? You. you know, so 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 Carrie. Uh, you know, I'm sitting next to her because she we, we used to get along because you know we kind of like it's almost like her roots are like mine. She came from a poor part of the you know world, Cambodia, a city that where people didn't have running water and you know and, and things like that. You know, we talked and you know I learned her culture a little bit and and this isn't the first time I'm around. I'm around her you know, like maybe for the eighth or tenth time. I mean, it's not like you know the first time we met each other. So she she makes a steam fish and all of a sudden all of a sudden she's got something on her plate and my wife Frances kind of goes, "What is that, Carrie?" She goes. Oh, that's the eye, you know? <laughs> so, so she shows, she said, this is a delicacy, you know? And, and I'm kind of going fish eye and, 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 right, and right then and there, I started getting shamed. You know, every, my daughter, my son-in-law, my, her in-laws, AJ, eat it. You know, and they oh, all started shaming man. me. AJ. I'm tapping it. out. I'm sorry, fellas. Huh? So, so, so I took the fish. Yeah. Did you <laughs> I, eat I, it? Took the, I took the fish. Well, you ain't gonna, nobody's going to call me out. And I'm not gonna, you know. <laughs> but you won't eat cheese and you'll eat a fish eye. <laughs> I get it. Okay. But the thing is that, you know, I've built up this, 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 this thing about me that, you know, I'll, I'll take any challenge. You know what I mean? You know, right. I love it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to high wire somewhere. I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? I'm not. Right. You know. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I ate the fish eye and I kind of like, the first thing went in my mind was escargot. Uh, <laughs> rooms on it. Add it to the list, right? So it was just people were loving it. I'm kind of going, y'all were having a good time making me feel like like I ain't worth it. You know what I mean? So it, it, it oh. turned out to be kind of a goofy, crazy story that day. Oh, uh, that's great. That's great. I, I, I had oh, enough. Thank you. There's more of this, but I don't know. <laughs> you know what they say? Here, here, look at it. Here, here here's a, here's a story that involves Coach Shula in food. Okay. We got time for that one too. Right? Yeah, we got all we got the time. Plenty time. So, podcast. so we, we, we go to San Diego. I'm trying to think it was the year we were undefeated. So that was, uh, was that might've been Danny's, uh, second year or something like that. The 84. You know, we went to the, we went to the uh, Super Bowl that year. Okay. So we go to San Diego. We're undefeated. And, uh, you know, there was the hype because there was only like four games up in the season. So I guess the hype started, you know, like, you know, coach Shula probably, was feeling the hype more than us because we weren't part of the 17-0 team. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the undefeated season, and we, we kind of had that in the back of our minds. You know, man, you know, we can do this twice, you know, and, you know, just kind of not as – so so we go to San Diego. We go into overtime. You know, we were, we were probably, I don't know, maybe a touchdown favorite or something like that. You know, it wasn't that – it wasn't that – you know, it wasn't like a, the team that we should go there and blow out. You know, it was a good game. You know, it was, it was – we played real football back and forth. They took the lead. We took the lead. Uh, they tied the game, and then we were uh, in a defense. Like I was a defensive signal caller, and then you know there were certain things that I had the ability to, to adjust out of when I communicated with the safety, just like they do nowadays. I mean, you know, now it's now the communication level has got to be insane. When I watch the, the game played today, I'm kind of going, man, I don't know how these guys are making all these adjustments. You know, so so we make an adjustment, 
and um, and and the guy that I was making the adjustment with didn't understand that I, I changed it from uh, from backer support to safety support. So in other words, that would just mean that you know he had the inside gap and I had the outside gap. So when I went to uh, safety support, I kind of went on a head up position with the tight end because you know I knew I was probably gonna get uh, double teamed because the a lot of times you know they they had a tendency to run run that little cross motion and then. And then chip on the linebacker, so I figure I'd take up two guys and then free up the uh, the outside. So the guy bounces it out, and the safety uh, thought it was still backer support, so he hit the inside hole, and then he went for a touchdown to beat us. And then after the game in the shower, you know, I'm taking a shower, and Coach Shula kind of looked at me and kind of gave me hell. You know, back in those days, the, the coaches jumped in the shower with the players. I don't know what they're doing nowadays. They may have have their own private sections of the, the locker room. But, you know, back in those days, the coaches would jump in the showers with the players. So Coach Shula was, you know, ripping me. And, you know, I'm kind of going, damn it. You know, I said I made the correction. So whatever it was, you know, him and I just kind of left the shower on bad terms, okay? So my mom and dad came in town for a home game the next week because they would always like to come in late in the year. You know, I'm like kind of like, towards the holidays, right? So, so my mom makes this big old pot of chicken and andouille gumbo. And, and, and my mother had been doing that for years because I'm already now in my sixth or seventh year. And, and that was like AJ's mom, when she comes in town, boy, everybody in the locker room knew they had a little bowl of gumbo coming their way. So my mom made gumbo and I brought it to camp and I was still kind of in shoes and I was still kind of, you know, at odds a little bit, you know, he just ripped my butt, you know, in the shower in front of everybody, you know, telling me, you know, all he wants to do is be undefeated again. I'm kind of running that through my head. Oh, wow, right? still in his head. Yeah, but you guys were 11 and 0 going into that game. Yeah, okay, Jesus. so this is like so you found okay. So yeah, this, 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 yeah, this, 1984, this, 11 and 0. This is like you know, this is like three days later, you know, and I'm still not talking to him. You know, what I mean, I'm only talking to him professionally. Yes, sir. Okay, I, you know, before it used to be I'd be BSing with him walking to the field. You know, all this. so so we're having gumbo, and and Coach Shula comes up to me and says, "So I don't get to have any gumbo this time, right?" You know, because he, he had heard from the other coaches, he probably the other coaches that I, I was telling Coach Scary, who was my line coach, Coach Orange Barger, the defense. I said, my mom got, I got a big pot of gumbo. Make sure you get your bowl full. You know, so that kind of, he he broke the ice when he said, ah, so I, I don't get no more gumbo, right? You know? He and wanted I, that I, gumbo. I, yeah, he, he did. You know what I mean? And I kind of go, nah, Coach, come on, get yourself a bowl. So then we started talking that he, he kind of broke the ice by saying that, you know, kind of on an on a off, off work kind of subject, right? Yeah, they say, well, food always brings people together, right? No matter what, especially when you got something like that. Your, yeah. mom, your mom knew the remedy. Moms always know the remedy, don't they, man? The, the healing power healed that relationship real quick, didn't she? And it's true, though, because, you know, I noticed that with uh, even my children, right? My children, uh, you know, their friends, you know, we had a, we had an open house. I mean, you know, that anybody can come to my house and, and, and my boys would always like be proud of their mom, you know, that she makes the best gumbo in America. You know what I mean? Like, you know, come have it, you know? And, and she would make all these, uh, these dishes that were like, you know, big pot roast, you know, uh, and, and kids would always love to come to our house, you know? First of all, I mean, they got a clown like me hit, entertaining them for one thing you know because eating eyeballs you know, all, uh, huh? <laughs> so you got kind of like you eating eyeballs i mean it's already yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is they, they, they've got the best of both they got they got uh their best friend's mom who makes the best meals as possible then their dad don't shut up you don't quit telling stories and, you know and uh and, and that, that's, kinda, you know, that's what life is that's what life's supposed to be you know you know just having love and sharing love and, and having and fellowship you know absolutely that's right, that's right. hey you know i want to go back to your rookie year real quick because uh, you certainly lived up to your first round expectations, 83 tackles. And if the stat was then uh, being taken, you know, seven sacks, if they would have done it back then, and of course, you were named NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. You know, why did it seem to come so easy for you? And what were your greatest memories of your rookie year as a Dolphin? I guess, you know, I went in there uh, with like a feeling like, you know, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by any of this stuff. I mean, I, I went in there with the attitude because uh, I was a holdout. First of all, I, I got represented by Howard Slusher. Okay. First of all, Howard Slusher, as I mentioned earlier about the Buffalo Bills situation, he, I was a 27 day holdout. And back in those days, mm. you were the devil. I mean, you know, uh, I used to get intimidating phone calls all the time from, you know, a guy from the, from the media relations department called me up. Oh, we'd like to do a story on you. They were all, everybody was always trying to, what, what, you know, when are you coming in? When are you signing and everything like that? So I was back home busting my hump, busting my hump. And, uh, and and maybe Coach Shula felt like I was sitting back at home, you know, just pouting why I can't get this deal done. But I was busting my hump. So so I, I come in, and when I signed, the first thing they told me, 
was make sure you know your LSU fight song because, you know, you're coming in late. These guys are pissed at you for, for damn sure. You know, we've been working for 27 days already. So I'm on the plane just go fighting tigers. High. You know, I'm just trying to sing it to myself. People are sitting next to me. So I get into the uh, to the facility at St. Uh, Thomas and um, Coach Shula says, don't eat too much because you got work to do. So I, I took it that you know, I didn't know it was going to be after my dinner. So, you know, I went in there, you know, I kind of had a little bit to eat. I sang my fight song for the guys. And as I was walking out, uh, you know, one of the uh, the guys in the equipment room said, uh, you know, you need to get over to the facility, uh, to the locker room. And, you know, coach wants you to go practice a little bit. So he takes me along with like three or four offensive linemen that are, I mean, they were free agents. You know, he's not taking some guy who's an all pro. You know, he took the free agent guys, maybe some low round draft picks who were offensive centers and guards and whatever it was. It was four of them. And we go out there. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm ready to go. And I, I just, I tool these guys. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we're doing past protection, two on one drills. And, and Shula's just like wishing I'd be getting my ass whooped, probably. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just to prove to me that, you know, you know. And, and he comes up, he said, he said, that was some good work. He says, I'm going to start you on Saturday. Wow. And so that's, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I started in my first pre, you know, it was was a preseason game. You know, we still had a couple of preseason. I started, you know, it was lights out. I just, you know, I just, I played with a chip on my shoulder. I don't know the chip on your shoulder. I just played like, you can't beat me. I mean, that's, you know, that's just the way you have to have, you have to have that kind of mindset. You're going to get beat. I mean, nobody is unbeatable, but if you play with that mindset, you know, you're going to be successful most of the time. That's just the way I feel, you know? Well, you clearly had a hell of a rookie year, uh, as Drew said, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, um, a lot of, of accolades that year. But one of the highlights of that 77 season came on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, and you guys traveled to St. Louis and just kicked their ass. I think Greasy threw six touchdowns, which is not a typical Bob Greasy game. You guys blow them out, 55 to 14. Um, so the defense obviously had a great day as well. But from what I understand, something went down between you and Conrad Dobler, the Pro Bowl guard for the Cardinals. Right. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, like, like I, I, like, like, like I told you about those little, those little boys coming over to the house and eating mom's good food and listening to pop's old stories. I kind of, I tell people to this day, I'm the initial trash talker of the NFL. That's what I, I said, like to hear. Huh? I, I said, you know, that's the. I, I remember going earlier in that season. Uh, we were playing the Patriots, and they had John Hanna and Leon Gray, two mm. perennial All-Pro guys, and uh, that was in the time when the Dolphins were controlling the, the AFC East. But you know, we were in a rebuilding season that year, and uh, I go up against them, and they're both just tearing my ass. Okay, you know, and and and, and then Big Leon Gray kind of goes, "Hey, Rook." And as easy as you thought, right? Because you know, I you know, going into that game, I had been having good games against you know everybody I played against. You know, and again, you know, it's probably trash talking. You know, it wasn't like it is nowadays. You know, where you know I was probably saying things like, "Hell, I can play this game." You know, I mean, th- those guys put on their shoes the same way I do, or whatever. These things like that. So, so then getting not going, maybe advancing it uh, five or six weeks ahead towards Thanksgiving. We were playing up on Thanksgiving Day, and the sports writers. Uh, had written us off. You know, we 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 had a decent season, our rookie season, but they had said this is going to be the day that in St. Louis they're having fish for for Thanksgiving, right? You know, the, the sports writers were writing us off, and you know, a lot of us on the team had a little chip on our shoulder because not giving us a chance to beat them. St. Louis at the time, I think, was considered the team to beat to make it to the the NFC. You know, back in that, you know, they they were they they might have had a you look at their record. I mean, at that time, they may have only had one or two losses, you know, so they were kind of the one of the, the head. And we went up there and, you know, like I said, Greasy had the outstanding day. We were just shutting them down any way possible. Uh, we had a big day defensively. And as the game was going on, you know, Dobler would run his mouth. I would run my mouth. And, you know, and I was saying things like, you know, because at that time we had five rookies starting on defense. Mm. I kind of go and I was kind of going, hey, oh, boy, you know, these <laughs> These kids are whipping y'all's ass, huh? I mean, you know, and just talking stupid. And it turned it, it, it turned ugly. You know, Coach Shula saw it starting to happen. He goes, AJ, he says, you know, let's kind of keep this under control. So, uh, you know, the next series we'd go in there, there was some pushing and shoving going on, pushing and shoving going on. And finally, Shula took me out of the game. Really? He, he, he took me out of the game, and he put in a guy named Wally Pursuit, who was an offensive guard. But he was – Wally was – Wally must have been, you know, on the sideline – begging to go play so so he gets in the game and he was he was more crazier than i was so he gets in there 
and uh, and then the, the brawl the, the brawl starts. Okay, I'm not even on the field. Okay, I'm on I'm I'm on the sideline. The bench is clear. I'm still on the sideline. So all of a sudden, we we come back to work on Tuesday for Players Day, and Coach Shula starts reading. This is this is disgraceful. You know, this is the the most fines ever issued by the NFL. You know, on any given day or something like that. So Coach Shula starts going. He starts naming these guys. 250, you know what I mean? Like nowadays, the fine would be like 15,000 or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> 250, you, 250, 175. He starts naming, and my name don't get called. And, and all of a sudden, Larry Little goes, what the hell? AJ started all this stuff. And Coach goes, <laughs> but he didn't leave the sideline. <laughs> there it is. You know, and and so that that's kind of a, a, a crazy story. But here, I, he's the guy that's made all this stuff happen, and he's on the sideline. Not paying a dollar, you know. Those are all guys, up. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are all coming. Damn it, I, rookie! It's coming oh, out of your pocket some way or another, you know. Oh man, man! But, you, know, you, you can imagine two hundred fifty bucks, man. You know, that was that was about a half of a game check for some of those guys. Yeah, it's you know? a lot yeah. of money. Sure. That's a lot of money, right? It's all relative, right, AJ? Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, at this point, man, you're such a big fixture on that on that Dolphin defense, man. Of course, you know, at that time, the defense itself was making a huge name for itself. Talk about the killer bees. And I, I've always wondered, man, how guys like yourself, who was so important on that defense, felt about, you know, being kind of on the outside looking in when it came to killer bees and when it came to that nickname and, and maybe even some of the endorsements they got. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, I think we we may have had seven guys with B. I'm not sure. Mm, uh, it was a lot. I, I, yeah. I, I'm going to see if I got a killer B post in here somewhere. <laughs> I can count them up. I don't well, know because it's all AJ Duet stuff back there. <laughs> yeah, That's I know, the problem. Yeah, I, I, can, I, got, I got a little bit of memories of uh, some okay. of the, uh, my, my teammates. <laughs> Might be in the bottom drawer or something in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll look for it on the next Francis, show. Francis didn't right. go that route. She didn't go that <laughs> route. No, so so uh, I always told that people kind of go, where does the D fit in with all the Bs? Like, I kind of go, the bees. The, the bees. <laughs> the bees. <laughs> I think that's how they make up for you costing them on that fine, that you got squeezed out of any of those promotional opportunities there. But the, you mean uh, the, 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 uh, the posters and stuff like that? Right. <clears throat> I, th- I think each guy made about $200. If I'd have been on the poster, we each made a grand, I think, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> they missed they out. They needed to put you on They there. missed out. Yeah, I, I said it's it. the bees, the bees. The bees. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, speaking of the bees, uh, they obviously came into prominence in the 82 season. I can't imagine that you have done an interview over the last 40 years where this hasn't come up. And while we don't focus on X's and O's as much, we can't talk to A.J. Dewey without talking about January 23rd, 1983. Uh, New York Jets come down here in the Orange Bowl <laughs> AFC Championship game, and you just go off, right? Three interceptions, one you take back for a touchdown. And there's so many iconic players in the history of this team, but not everybody has moments like that. And and you have one of those moments, and I see it over your, your right shoulder over there. You had one of those moments that just is immortalized in Dolphins history. Talk about that a little bit, AJ. But also, as much as it's been talked about, is there anything that we don't know? Is there anything that happened that day that maybe doesn't doesn't get talked about that might be interesting uh i mean i don't i think all of it's been you know brought but speaking of that poster let me just tell you about that that poster came in a roll-up tube you know like a photo tube rolled up from uh no address no name anything i mean i'd love to find out you know, maybe maybe really? the, maybe, wow. the, maybe the guy who drew that will see it i never was able to thank anybody i mean it just so, came in a poster. just anonymous poster that was yes. sent to you it's unbelievable I mean, and, there, and like there's no like you know like somebody's signature on it i could because i mean that, that that's crazy i mean i don't know if you can see that that that's like it's almost as good as just the picture itself i mean you know this guy very was, cool you know and it's kind of like watercolor you know and man i was like going this is amazing so but getting back to that game so i mean i don't think there was anything that went on that day uh, I know that people complained about the field being saturated. Uh, I don't, I don't know if, you know, if the story was ever told, but I, I, a guy who, who I met years and years later, uh, told me that his, his uncle worked at, uh, for the city of Miami and, and they were, they were the ones who ran the orange bowl. And, uh, back in the day, the dolphins had AstroTurf. They, they had AstroTurf, right? right? And, uh, and AstroTurf changed, changed the, uh, it actually changed the, uh, the elevation of the field because back in the day, you know, this goes back a long time ago, fields had a little bit of a, a hunchback. It was like a little slight, slight, 
you know, from the sideline to the to the, the crown, you might the have crown. Yeah. It might have it might have been it wasn't much, maybe seven to eight inches, right? <laughs> maybe something like that. Yep. And yeah. and when they went to AstroTurf, they made everything flat. So you want the flat flat playing field. And I assume that uh, you know players they gotten used to it. And there was a thing called prescription athletic turf, which was real grass built over an irrigation system where you know they had drainage pumps and all that. And the rain over that period caused the pumps to overwork and they started shutting down. I mean, it, it was, it was, a, it was like a monsoon for at least five or six days. I mean, I remember coach Shula having to change some of our practice schedules based on what time he thought the heaviest rains would come in. So there were some times we'd come in in the morning and we'd go right to the practice field and watch film and do stuff later. And so, so basically the field obviously had a big impact on that game and it wasn't coach Shula's fault. Coach Shula wasn't the guy who was supposed to call up, you know, the city of Miami and say, oh, the field's covered, you know, or anything like that, you know. So people, uh, let, let's put that to rest. You know, Coach Shula had nothing to do with that. But, you know, on that day, you know, I changed my cleats for one thing. I do know that we went out for warm-ups and I was, you know, not, I didn't have good footing. And so when we came back in, you know, Bobby Monica, who was our, our equipment manager at the time, you know, he had a bag, you know, full of these extra long cleats, you know, which are, right. they, when, you, when you have cleats that long in your cleat, and you try and go on regular on, on regular grass, you're going to trip all over yourself, you know, because they just, when the, when the field is moist as it is and soft and soggy, it is, it just kind of helps you get into where you can get some traction. So I think that helped me a lot in terms of my footing because I didn't, uh, you know, receivers were slipping and falling and, and most of us were just kind of like, you know, being able to maintain our, our, our right. footing and, and stay on our feet. But the plays itself were just, you know, three plays, just being in the right place at the right time, making the... Uh, you know, the right decisions. Uh, the quarterback didn't have a very good day, to be honest with you. He threw, when I, when <laughs> I tell really? people, I said, well, I said the first interception was pretty much, I was beat for probably, we were in man coverage and the fullback ran an option route on me. And which means it's, you know, in, in, in human being feeling or, or fans, it's just the option means that he has the option to go against the defender and do what he, he thinks. Go anywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so he runs a little option route on me, which is, uh, you know, it's like street ball, you know, you just go beat him however you can, right? So he, he beats me by at least I'm, I'm like three steps behind the guy and he throws the pass where the guy tries to make a backhanded catch oh, and, man. It, and, it, and, it, and it tips the ball into the air. And I'm kind of like trailing him by three steps going, thank you. you know? Thank you, Richard Todd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. And uh, another one was, uh, we, you know, we were in, uh, the second one was we were in, uh, in, a, in a man coverage with, with help. So, so, so the safety was on top of the tight end. And I was underneath coverage, and I guess Richard didn't see me because because the safety was playing off pretty far, and he kind of goes, "Man, you know, why is he giving the tight end so much room?" But I was kind of underneath it, so I guess he didn't want to overthrow him where the safety can come up and nail him. So he threw a, a little underneath pass, and it was underneath enough for me to intercept that one. So it was another bad mistake by Richard. On the third one was uh, they ran a little uh, a little swing pass, and. Uh, all the times that Coach Mike Scary, our most scary, taught me how to protect my feet, it paid off its best because the guy went to cut me. I played the technique correct, you know, kind of used my hands to protect myself. And as the ball was in the air, I was coming off the uh, the, the, the chop block, and it was, you know, a little, he was throwing to Bruce Harper, which I think that maybe back in those days he was probably the shortest NFL player. He might have been like a, a equivalent of uh, who, who's the little, like the Akeem, Jakeem right? Grant. Yeah, Jakeem Grant. You know, yeah. five whatever, it's five, eight and a half. What is Jakeem? I don't know. He's, he's probably. I don't know if he's that, even right? that. Okay. <laughs> he's a so, dude, you know, he was, throwing, he was throwing a little dink pass to the running back out of the backfield. And I, I, I batted up in the air and take it and go home. That's that was it, baby. And then we were, we were ready. And, and then I had another, uh, another controversial coach Shula story the next day. You know what I mean? Where, <laughs> oh, no, because of the water? No, 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 not because of the water, because we're preparing to go uh, to the Super Bowl because uh that was a short that was a strike short in season ah so so we didn't have two weeks to prepare we played the next week right right and it was kind of like a quick turnaround and uh i remember coach Shula was telling us we'd be doing this did that about how to pack and all this kind of stuff and i, and I any questions i said coach are they gonna serve us breakfast on the plane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always comes back to food with AJ. <laughs> yeah. yeah boy was he pissed you know yeah did you have to bring the gumbo in again to chill them out before we got to the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, I, I brought it in. I, my, my, my mom made it every year for them, man. You know, uh, she made it for her, her, her number one son. But you know, I mean, but uh, I always, we always shared it. You know, shared the love. You know, I enjoyed people having a chance to kind of see what I had to eat most of my life. All that good stuff. Actually, I had a, a juice. I had a fish fry at my house the other day. I, 
you know, turned out pretty good. What? I thought recently. Yeah. I mean, so damn. I mean, so look, we're, so, so we're here, on the advisory so, board. AJ, we're on the advisory board together, man. Where's that? Where's that invite at, bro? <laughs> well, I didn't know how good it was gonna turn out. You know what I mean? And 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 I told I told that to my uh, my wife. I said, babe. I said no, the only thing different about us is that when I was having fish fries as a kid, we'd always do it out in the yard under the tree. You know what I mean? You know, so right. here I am having an indoor fish indoor, fry. Indoor, indoor fish fry. The house, the house smelled so bad. You know? <laughs> I bet. I bet uh, that one probably. Sticks. It's only two of us, you know. Like here I am having a fish fry. Like everybody's over, you know. And she says, "Well, it's a good thing we know it's good, so we can do it next time." The family you can comes do over. it again, and OJ can get I that. I said, call. "But I don't know if I want to fry a fish for a half hour." You know, I mean, I just want to make one batch. And, one big old and one batch. batch. Yeah, one batch. You know. That's right. You know, when you have a uh, fish fry, juice, you know, you can be cooking fish for two hours. You're, you're the only one, there. and you you don't get to enjoy anything. You're just sitting there cooking the whole time. Yeah, everybody yeah. is grubbing, yep, and eating and drinking. That's what I, and I always say. I said, I said, the ones who get the last batch is going to be the best one. That that grease is good and tasty oh, right now. So all kind of crumbs in it and everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. All the flavors exactly. in it. Exactly. Oh, Too boy. Funny. Too funny. Well, listen, so after that iconic performance, AJ, you play two more seasons, including your final year. You make your first Pro Bowl, ever, which is crazy to me, but you make your first Pro Bowl ever in, in, in 1984. And then you retire. And I know, you know, the reasons why you retired. And, and I know there were some surgeries and some injuries and, and those things have been talked about. But I want to focus more on what you did afterwards, because I jumped on imdb.com. I got on the Internet and I see you've got a little television and movie resume in there. So I want to know how you got into all that. And I want to know what is the greatest acting role of AJ Douay's career? Is it baby in the opponent? Is it the Cleveland linebacker and everybody's all American or my personal favorite hammer from Miami vice? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely Miami vice hammer. Cause, cause to this day, to this day, even my kids, my kids, they, they look, cause they, they've seen, they kind of go dad, where's your damn comb? Because <laughs> you know, my I, I had a couple of speaking parts in that thing, but it was it was me. I was the head of the uh, they call it I, I guess the the Aryan son whatever you know Aryan the Aryan sons yeah right you know, the, the, horrible you know, the, yeah they had been gangs inside the prison I yeah, was I was right, the leader right. of the Aryan sons right and all of a sudden I get I get back to my my jail my my cell and and John Carker. I think I think he maybe had been deceased, but John Corker was in it too. It was me, John Corker, and, and Jim Kick. We were the three NFL guys that that were picked for that uh, that particular episode. How they got us and found us, I don't know. We were all out of football at the time, and probably we all looked good. Maybe that was it, you know. So here, <laughs> here part. I am. Here I am with like tattoos. They you know they had they they were putting tattoos on me with that the ink. You know what I mean? So I had tattoos on my neck, and you know, and and, and people kind of go. You look like a little schoolboy. I mean, you know, that was one of my nicknames. You know, that was one of my nicknames I had from the from the guys. They call me schoolboy. Yeah, that baby face. Yeah, no, no, schoolboy is because I didn't break the rules. That's why. You know, I was one of the guys uh-huh. that. You know, even though I was a, a rebel, I was a rebel with a cause. I guess you know. what I mean, you know, so so I didn't break in many rules, and they used to always, you know, guys wanted to jump the wall. They called you go out after curfew and drink. I said, Nah, you know, I'm not doing that stuff. You know, I, I like having a good time at party. Don't get me wrong, but you know. There were times to do it and times not to do it. But, you know, that 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 probably episode of Miami Vice is probably the one that I like the most just because it still brings back, you know, some fun and laughter, you know, amongst amongst my family and friends, you know. That's great. That's pretty awesome. Now, AJ, you know, we, we talked a little bit about our, our beautiful wives, you know, both me and named Francis. And I understand, like, in May, you celebrated your 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah, man. I'm, and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I, I, I've been with my wife for 15 years. We've only been married for a couple. And apparently I've got a long way to go. <laughs> you got to tell us and a lot of these listeners out here, what is the secret to, to 40 years? You know, I mean, that's no joke, man. How, how do you get to 40 years uh, with, you know, with so much bliss and, and so much love, man? You know, it, it's, it's uh, well, you know, obviously, you know, love is the, uh, the main ingredient. You know, you got to really love the person you're with. I mean, you know, and, and the thing is that there's going to be fights along the way. You know, there's going to be battles, you know, there's going to be some battle scars. Uh, a lot of times it's just, uh, it, it could be something that just kind of goes and comes quickly uh, over, over a glass of wine, maybe. You know, sometimes, sometimes it, 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 it might be, you know, two days living in the house, walking past each other, like, you know, know each other. I mean, <laughs> you know, and just kind of like just letting, you know, let, let, let the ashes settle, you know, just, uh, and all of a sudden one of us just breaks the, breaks the mold. Like, like with me and Shula, you know, yeah. we, we didn't talk for those couple of days, but when he said, 
oh, I don't get any gumbo. You know, right. you know kind of like right. you know, something breaks the ice, you know, so, you know, <laughs> something just breaks the ice and it's just a matter of, uh, of being patient. You know, my wife is as patient as can be, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the most patient person in the world, but her patience is, is, uh, probably un- unbelievable. I mean, I, I you know, and, and, and basically it's amazing how you see your children, you know, when I look back at my children, I'm kind of going, damn, that's so much like his mother, but then that's so much like me, you know, each one of them, you know, so, so, Obviously, Absolutely. you know, the good Lord put together a good, good gumbo there. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. And the recipe just gets better and better. Okay. I love so, it. I, love know, it. I mean, just, you know, I, I don't know, man, you know, I, I, you know, God bless you and Francis, you know, that, you know, you know, for 40 years for you though, you know, you started at a later age, you know, that's what started the conversation this morning. I think my wife's going to be, uh, yeah, she's going to be changing my diaper by then, I think. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I hope they got something new in mind because I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> that, may, that may not be what you're looking for. Well, look, AJ, we're going to get you out of here in a second. Uh, but I wanted to ask you this. Clearly, throughout this interview, we've talked about how competitive you are, whether it's uh, fish eyeballs or Conrad Dobler. There's a competitive nature there in you. Um, but we talked to one of our favorites here in the tank, Stu Weinstein, right? The great, the great dolphin security man. And Stu told us that you're also competitive on the softball field, even if it's a charity game, and that an umpire may have gotten under your skin one time. Yeah, that 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 that's kind of a a touchy story, you know. What I mean, well, I mean, I, I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you from start to finish. So, so we were uh, we were going to play at uh, I, I'm not sure the name of the uh, it's a baseball stadium in Miami where a minor league baseball team played back in that time i don't know but you know we were there to play uh and raise money for a fireman or a cop that had been injured and you know we did a bunch of that kind of stuff in the day you know played uh, for benefits and for mm-hmm. uh for people trying to you know raise some money sure. and things like that so we're out there you know we're out there in uh out in let's see that would be considered uh left field you know kind of like a bullpen area we were just grouping around warming up throwing and, and i'm sitting there talking to because the game is tied in like the eighth inning, we got there around the, the eighth inning or something like that. Right. So the game is tied, you know, in the eighth inning and there's a guy in the, in the bullpen and I'm kind of going, um, damn, I hope somebody can score a run, man. So you get this game over with, you know, <laughs> we don't need extra and, innings. Uh, yeah. So this, this may be extra innings and sure enough, it went into extra innings. So, so they're, they're, they're playing like the 10th inning, you know, now they're fixing to go into the 11th inning and I'm kind of going, and I tell the guy, I said, you guys draw a pretty good crowd here. And he kind of goes, these people aren't here to see us. They're here to see you guys. He said, you know, we don't get like 18 to 20 people to come to these games. So I'm kind of going, first thing across my mind, they're, they're here to see us. Well, we need to go bring them to show. So so I uh, I take it upon myself to go to the, because uh, first of all, the, the guy also tells me, he says, we're playing these guys again tomorrow. I'm kind of going, perfect scenario. We can get them to postpone the game, start this, you know, so I, I run onto the field. I say, ump, 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 I got to talk to you. Uh, and all of a sudden I was just, I was going to plead my case. These guys play again tomorrow. Let's call the game. They're here to see us. And this guy just kind of, you know, just yelling at me, where have you come from? Who are you? You know, cause I'm just dressed. I'm, I don't have a player's uniform. I got like a, <laughs> I've got like a Miami Dolphins softball team. Right. Right. Going. You know I mean, he don't know who, you know, like so, so, so we get into a pretty heated argument, you know, and uh, exchange some words and, uh, and and come to find out, you know, the game ended, you know, may- maybe I, I set off some emotions with one of the players and they hit a double to, to run, you know. So the, whatever happened, the game ended and, you know, we got to play our softball game. But come to find out, the guy sues me personally for assault and battery. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're you put hands to, on him, AJ? No. He said assault and battery supposedly means that you put – fear into somebody and uh and maybe we'd be bumped chests or something you know like yeah okay come on man you know what i mean so i mean it was i was in i was in court for three days are you serious yes yes and here's the thing though so uh when coach when i told this to coach shul that i I gotta go to court i'm being sued he 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 immediately calls up i guess the front office the front office gives me one of their attorneys that represents the dolphins right so it was Bob Shevin. He was uh, he was actually the attorney general uh, of the state of Florida at one time in his career before he became the, you know, the Dolphins. His law firm kind of represents the Dolphins. So his law firm, you know, I met with them and he uh, he told me bring in my 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 homeowner's insurance policy. So I brought it. and He kind of goes, he said, you're, you're covered. Don't worry. Your homeowners are going to cover this for you. But, you know, he wow. he wanted to represent me. Here's a guy who was once the attorney general of the state of Florida. He wanted to represent me because. 
when I told him my case, he goes, he says, we're not letting this fly. You know, he said, this is, this is just all about publicity or just trying to strong army for some money. Right. I mean, so like this guy was suing me for a hundred thousand dollars, which is a bunch of money back. hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So, uh, you know, about a day or two, a day or two before the, uh, a day or two before the, uh, the trial, he gets a letter from their letter saying that the guy will settle for like $10,000. He said, but we're not doing this. He says, he said, even though your insurance, your homeowner's insurance will pay for this, you know, we're, we're just not gonna let this kind of stuff happen. You know what I mean? So I guess he was out to prove that, you know, you just can't come after these ball players. You know, right. in today's day, right. in today's day, day and age, these guys don't have a chance. I mean, you know, right. people are coming after them for anything. I mean, you know what I mean? So, but then again, wow. you know, everybody's putting their stuff on social media and you, you kind of, we got a picture of you doing what you just said you didn't do. I mean, right, right. <laughs> you know, so maybe if there was social media back in those days, maybe there was a better case for the guy. But, you know, it was just his word against mine. You know, a few guys came in and testified. You know, people who saw it the way they saw it didn't see it where AJ really assaulted or battered the guy. You know, it was obviously just two grown men. Yeah. You know, and, and come to find out, here, here come to find, you know, you know, we find out during the trial, the guy was actually, he had sparred with Muhammad Ali, the guy was a, oh. like he was kind of an amateur boxer who wanted to you know be a professional boxer and he's actually sparred with and this guy was afraid of me I was bigger than him I mean you know you know he might have been six three two ten where I was six four two forty five I mean I was definitely bigger than him but I think his right hook would have taken me down pretty quickly you yeah, know? that's still the same weight class I think right there that's crazy well, maybe he's the guy who sent you that that picture he's an artist as well though yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is olive branch well AJ man this was a lot of fun uh I, fun, I know man. juice can't wait to the next fish fry but uh it was really really great having you in here man so um congr- I, I re- hey, hey juice one thing I ruined I, I fried fish I fried shrimp and I fried scallops don't fried scallops is not a winner. You got to. <laughs> yeah. It's that same texture, right? That yeah, same just, text- if you, just keep it like my wife, Francis said, she said, that's the last time we're frying scallops. You know? <laughs> Cause, Cause the best way to do them is just to sear them, you know, in a pan, you know, quick heat, you know, get that nice little glazed Brown look on them, you know, after you sear them. Yeah. Don't fry scallops, you know, Hey AJ. And I love how she approached you with it. She didn't like say, this is awful. This is terrible. She said, next time, baby, just don't, don't fry, don't fry scallops. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's how you guys get along. Yeah. Right? That's how you make 40 years, Juice. Right? Right, she couldn't come in his ass. It's, it's, how you say it. it's not what you see. It's how you say it. Right. It's how you oh, say well, it. You know, but, 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 Juice, here's the thing though. Sometimes I'm in the kitchen, you know, and like, you know, getting in the way, and she kind of goes, Do you want to do this or I'm going to do it? I'm, no, 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 I don't want nothing to do with it. Right? <laughs> yeah. You got it. Yeah. So, so for me, the hard thing may be like, uh, can you go? She loves it that she said, You know, I love to because you love to go grocery shopping. She said, I hate, you know, she said, I'll do it, but I love the fact that you love to go grocery shopping. And, and like working at right. home, see, I've been working at home now for maybe about seven or eight years. So getting back to the now COVID. I told I told her I said one time I said babe we need to do like a little our own podcast about you know how to make it happen we've been doing this for eight years couple at home man works from home you know I said we we can we can make some money doing this and she said no 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 <laughs> and, and and then one time she gave me uh I don't know juice you know I don't know I don't know who follows her on Facebook but like now I have this this is my COVID haircut like when I and I and I love it now I, I got one two or three days ago. <laughs> so she, we, we, we were out in the backyard cutting my hair and i'm sitting there doing doing like a, a facetime kind of like yep out in the yard getting my COVID 19 haircut you know just cutting it away cutting it away and francis posted this on facebook and a bunch of you know friends of mine which are also people that she they kind of going i'll be there too tomorrow make sure you're <laughs> making appointments, appointments. making yeah. appointments so you know it's you I'm guys need to do the podcast. So you do the podcast, you might have to download a seventh app, though. Yeah, that's true. We might have to get app on I love it. Well, somebody should uh, talk to Jason Jenkins. This should be part of the Dolphins Podcast Network. Absolutely. Right? Frying absolutely. fish and cutting hair with the duets. I love right. it. All right, man. We, we're done. Uh, I enjoyed it. I hope, uh, hope y'all get great. some good. Uh, you may have to do a, a, a double release. We got so much information. <laughs> yeah, was, there's a lot there. We might have to split it into two. We've done that before. But no, it was fantastic, AJ. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And, and uh, you know, congratulations on 40 years of marriage. And and I'm just looking over your shoulder there. And as a Dolphins fan, it's just great to have you on here. And, and, and hearing these stories of things that we either read about or got to watch when we were younger, it's just fantastic. Yeah. But, but now it's kind of like I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying, let me find my little, hold on. My little, my little, my, this is my, people say this is my twin. Watch, hold on. 
Hold on. This is my little my little granddaughter. Uh, oh wow. Some sometimes my, my wife or my daughter will put pictures uh hold on. Yeah, this, this is my granddaughter. She she'll be uh two in January. But like like uh sometimes when uh, my wife will post pictures of her or my daughter will, you know, they they they'll kinda go, <laughs> damn it, that ain't AJ. I don't know who she is, you know. So <laughs> Congratulations, I hope, just, man. I hope you just grow up to be tough as your papa. You know what I mean? You know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling she might. You know? I'm huh? feeling she might. All right, guys. Thanks for diving in, AJ. Yeah, man. Goodbye. God bless y'all. All right. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in fish tank Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank Dog fans are at a tool, we about to dive up in that fish tank